All right, clothes. All right, so we dressed like this to match the stage because what we're ministering on is not about us, it's about him. All right? I think that the word God's put on my heart can't be heard without hearing what Brendan shared this morning. I just really felt over this time to minister on walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think God's got something significant for us as Canadians. I am a Canadian by birth. I was born in Victoria. I love this nation, and I love what God has for this nation. And I believe that if we want to walk in all of what God has for us, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to see the kingdom come in the nation of Canada, we need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. For us as believers, we know that we have been chosen by God. We have been commissioned by Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. He has come and he has clothed us in power. We just had Remembrance Day for those of us that remember and uh, there's a battle I was reflecting on, the Battle of Vimy Ridge. It was in the First World War. It was a very significant battle that actually uh, really allowed Canada to step out as a nation. It gave us our own signature at the Treaty of Versailles. And it was something that separated Canada from the Commonwealth. But what happened in this time was there was different divisions of people. They weren't just given a uniform. They were given specific tools. They were given machine guns. They were given a whole bunch of things, grenades. But then they were trained on how to use them. And then at one precise, specific moment, four divisions took a ridge and overcame the enemy. Do you see, it wasn't enough for them to just receive and put on a uniform. It wasn't enough for them to just be given authority. They needed to be empowered. They needed to be empowered. They needed the power tools and to be trained to use those tools to walk in what God had. And, and it's the same for us when I say this, because it's a, for us, if we want to walk in what God has, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We were not designed to do it in the natural. Amen? So God's commissioned us. He hasn't just put a uniform on us. He's come to empower us. And he's given us himself to do it. So the commission of Jesus is to be fulfilled in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, we see that Jesus said this to us. He said this to the disciples. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you from on high. For those of us that are in ministry, and I'll tell you right now that if you're here and you love Jesus and you're a believer, you're in ministry. We cannot do ministry without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If we do, we will try in our own strength and we will crash and burn and wear out. But God has given us power to walk in. Amen? And what I'm referring to here is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is different than what happens at salvation. The word teaches us that at salvation that we receive the Spirit. It says that he is the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. We all have the Holy Spirit. We receive him. This is the indwelling spirit of God at salvation. It's done. We have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can read more if you read in Romans 8, 9 on this, where it just goes in and says that if you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus yet. 
You can read more on that. But this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that's referenced here, the deposit that guarantees the salvation that we have in Christ. It says that we were sealed with that promise. Many of us are there, hey? And that Holy Spirit comes and he assures us, he sanctifies us, he gives us these incredible downloads of how to reach our cities. He guides us, but there's more. But there's more. There is a baptism, an infilling to overflowing that he has for us. And the purpose of it is empowerment. The word baptism is baptizo. It just means to immerse. It's the full immersion of ourselves in the Holy Spirit. So this isn't about how much of the Holy Spirit do I have, as in God doesn't give himself in measure. This is about how much of the Holy Spirit have I or how much of myself have I given the Holy Spirit? How much have I given, or am I holding back? God wants us to be fully immersed in him, to infill every area of our life. And this is just as it was with Jesus. This happened with Jesus. Acts 10, 8, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Can I say, as it was with Jesus, so it is to be with us. In Romans 8, 11, it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In the King James, that word life means quicken. We just brush over it to give me life. Yeah, great, I got this nice life. No, it means quicken. So what does this mean? It means to bring to life by supernatural power, to give us life of the Spirit. It's something that we could not get in the natural. It must come from Him. It's a new way of life, something new and greater than what we could walk in without. So this same miracle-working Spirit in us, the power of that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And I appreciate that what I'm ministering on for, for this moment, that many of you maybe could articulate this better than me. I hope we all know this, but what's challenging me to the core is are we walking in it? Are we experiencing it? Or have we settled for a powerless gospel? Because that is not the gospel, friends. That is not the gospel. If we wonder why people don't come and hang out in our church, maybe it's because it's been a powerless gospel. People are hungry for the power of God. They want the authentic. They want the real. There's generations coming up behind us that don't want to play church. They want to see the power of God move. And he's given it to us. Amen? Matthew 6, 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up a serpent with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. It doesn't say that these signs might happen. It doesn't say that these signs could happen. It says that these signs will accompany those who believe. Can I dare you to believe this scripture at its face value? Can I dare you to believe it? 
Now, don't go do something silly. Don't run out there and go drink something you shouldn't. Don't go to the Toronto Zoo in the gap and go pick up a snake. That's not the point of this, okay? But God has called us to something significant. The Holy Spirit has come to empower us for purpose. Not just to make us tingly and feel good inside. For purpose, friends. And I appreciate I'm using that term friends loosely, but I trust I trust that you'll receive me as a friend. I know I don't know many of you well, but we serve the same Jesus and we are taking the same ridge. Because God has called us as Canadians and those that are transplanted into Canada to take a ridge. It's to take our city. It's to take our city. We have a ridge to take. There was a study that was done recently, a census that just came out. It just came out. And it says that my city, the city of Nanaimo, is the least religious city in all of Canada. The statistics said that 31.5% of people in our city call themselves religious. That might sound, hey, 31%. Well, let's look at that in reality. Maybe 10% of that number actually attend a church community. So that means 3.5% essentially of people in my, my city, Nanaimo, are in a life-giving church. I know the ridge. I know the ridge. Our cities need Jesus. Our cities need Jesus. Amen? The word says this, that talks about how forceful men will advance the kingdom of God. It says it, it says, um, it's in Matthew eleven twelve, and it says that forceful men will lay hold of it. That doesn't mean that this is something that we're going to do in the natural It isn't something that we can do with our own strength and effort. We cannot have enough outreach-type events to do this. How this is done and what this means is that those men and women who will step forward in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit will advance the kingdom. In the empowerment of the Holy Spirit will advance the kingdom. When I was praying for this time, I had this picture, and it was a vision, so that means that I'm still a young man, All right? I do get dreams, but I had a vision. Thank you, Lord. I don't fit the next category. That's my future. But I had this vision. It just came right into my mind. And I saw this dimly lit hallway, and there was a bunch of us in it, and we were praying. And there was a bunch of doors down the hallway, and we were praying that light would go into these doors. And we were just sitting there, and I felt the power of God come into the moment. And he said, I have given you authority to go through those doors and bring light into dark rooms. And he's telling us as Canadians that there is darkness in our nation and God has called us to bring light to those places. And you cannot do it in the natural because the enemy will try and take you out. But we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to bring light to dark places. And the enemy will want to intimidate us But he has given us a courage and a boldness because he's given us his spirit living in us. Amen? We've got to get into those dark rooms in our cities. We've got to get into those places and bring the power of God. Amen? So God has empowered us. This is is an experiential power that he has for us. It's not enough for us to know of the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I want to know God, and and know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. To know is experiential. Experiential, it's first-hand account. 
when, when Jesus was teaching his, his disciples how to walk in even just the power of the Holy Spirit, there was an incredible miracle with the loaves and the fish. But do you know, he did it in the hands of the disciples. Go and get the loaves of the fish. Now you break them, distribute them out. And they're doing this. And then all of a sudden, the miraculous happens and it happens in their hands. Friends, we are the hands and feet of Jesus and the miraculous is going to come through your hands. Look at your hands. I'm telling you, the miraculous wants to come through your hands. This is how the Holy Spirit works. He wants us to know firsthand what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just, I have some practical things for us. The first thing, I'm sure you, this is of no surprise to you, If we want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. We actually can't go anywhere else. I can't give you any other practical things until that has happened for us. I honestly believe that we would be quite shocked at the number of folks in our church communities that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think we would be shocked. But friends, we cannot overemphasize the importance of this. Smith Wigglesworth said this, it is impossible to overestimate the importance of being filled with the Spirit. Impossible. Even Jesus was filled with the Spirit. I was reading through Luke, and this is where I'm going to get to in some scripture and teach out of, but, you know, in preparation for Jesus' coming, you know, the word of the Lord came to John the baptizer, And he said, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then we see that in Luke. We see the fulfillment of this as the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in Luke 3. Then in Luke 4, you see that he is now full of the Holy Spirit and he's led by the Spirit. It says he goes into the desert. He overcomes temptation. And then in Luke 4, it says that he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And then his ministry starts from here. It's right after that where you see that he, he goes in to the church and he reads from the scroll and he starts with the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And then in that moment, from then on, you see Jesus walking in signs, powers, wonders. We see healings and him moving radically. But it was after the empowerment of the Holy Spirit came. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, we need to walk in the Holy Spirit. So let's get filled. Let's stay filled. Let's get immersed in him. Some, some practical handles as I read into Luke. I want to spend a bit of time in Luke 5 here because there's three very simple things for us for walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 5, 17. On one of these days, he was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a, on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, 
Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus, perceiving their thoughts or perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Wow. So what do I see in this for us? If we dig into this, there's some truth in here for us. I think the first thing for us, if we want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, is to be attentive. Be attentive. In verse 17, it says that, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Jesus was aware of the power of the Lord. He was aware of the Holy Spirit being right there in that moment, ready to heal. What was he doing? He was busy teaching. He was teaching a specific group of people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They'd gathered, and here he is. He's busy teaching. I don't think he was hosting a healing conference. I don't think he was even talking about healing. But in the midst of what was happening, he was aware that the Holy Spirit was there and wanted to heal. He probably had a great outline. He probably had some amazing truths that he was teaching on. But there was something else that was going to happen in that moment. He was acutely aware of what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. There was something different happening in the spiritual realm in that moment. And Jesus was paying attention. And he was modeling something for us. He was teaching us to pay attention, to be sensitive, to be attentive. Have you ever had that feeling? When you feel the power of God moving, and you're like, man, God wants to do something. And sometimes it's a subtle stirring. Sometimes your heart's moving. Sometimes my legs shake. But you feel the presence of God, and sometimes it's little. But you know it's actually not always little. Sometimes it's significant. I was reading a, a book called They Told Me Their Stories. And a guy's articulating, you're telling stories. He went and he interviewed people that were in the Azusa Street Revival. And he was interviewing them, just hearing the stories of these people that experienced the manifest presence of God in a radical way. There, were, there was a cloud that had come into the room. The glory of God came in. And it says that the kids, these people grew up almost tangibly seeing and playing in the glory of God. They said that there was moments when, when outside of the building, you could see fire on the building. And fire trucks came. And they saw fire on top of the building. Wild. I don't understand how that works or what God's doing in that moment. And we might think as Canadians, well, that was down there. I was chatting with an older gentleman in my church. And he was telling me that this happened in Surrey, B.C., in Canada, at a church in the Jesus Movement time in the 60s, that they had the power of God moving in meetings and that... There was, there was fire on the building and the fire department came and it made all the local newspapers. It's not always subtle. Sometimes it's radical. Sometimes it's radical and it stretches the grid of our brain for understanding how God moves. But what wasn't the point of this isn't the sign. 
If you just drive up to my city, you'll see a beautiful sign that says, Welcome to Nanaimo. But if you just stop at the sign, you will miss the city. It's not the sign. What God did in that place, in that time, the most radical healings and move of God and miracles and signs and wonders happened when the fire was on the building. Arms grew out. I know that sounds wild. It's stretching. But God moved in power. So yes, it can be the subtle, but it can be the significant. God will work in both. But are we attentive? Are we paying attention? And if we want to see the significant, we best start at the subtle. We've got to start with what God's doing. Many people over those times came to know Jesus and they were radically healed. And that was the point. In our story here back in the book of Luke, when we're reading about this sick man, there was a desperation on these people, the friends, to get this man in front of Jesus. And here's Jesus busy teaching. What's a, what's a lesson for us when I see this? I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the moment, we can get so caught up in what we're doing that we could miss what God wants to do. We're busy teaching and we've got these great, you know, these great ideas and here's the Holy Spirit wanting to bring healing in a moment and do something. But we're so stuck in our grid. But God wants us to be attentive. He wants us to desire him and be, be hungry for him to move. And it might not always be neat, and it might not fit in our grid. It might be different than what we've expect. You know, Jesus was interrupted a lot in his ministry. It was a ministry of interruptions. He was interrupted a lot, and it wasn't just Jesus that was interrupted. The disciples were interrupted. You know, after Jesus left, you know, you can read the story of the disciples there. James and John are on the way to the temple courts. They're going to a prayer meeting. They're going to structure. Structure's good. It's good to pray. They're on their way to the prayer meeting, and here's the man outside. And they say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And healing happened. Prayer meetings are great. God can move in power in prayer meetings. But God did something outside of the prayer meeting. We need to be stretched. God wants to move outside of our grid. Amen? In Galatians 5.25, the word says that we can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. He's speaking. He's always speaking. But are we listening? Are we paying attention? He's prompting. Are we tuned in? Often he is that still small voice. You know, there's, there's two buttons I really love on my phone. I'm sorry if this has crossed your path. The first one is ignore. It is. It's my favorite button. I don't like being interrupted if I'm in the middle of something. My other favorite button is silent. I can just actually turn it right off and make it silent. I felt God challenge me and say that sometimes my people do that with the Holy Spirit. That they put me on silent. That when we go out, we have left our home and we've put him on mute. And when we go to our workplaces, when we go to our spheres of influence, we put the Holy Spirit on silent. It's the exact opposite to what he's called us to. He has called us to be in tune, not to leave him on silent mode. So that wherever we go, that we are alert, that we are in tune, that we are paying attention. I really believe God wants to break out in the marketplace. In Acts, 
39 of the 40 miracles had a marketplace context. God wants to break out in the marketplace and in our spheres of influence. Why? Because miracles bring people to Jesus. They point people to Jesus. People can't argue with a miracle. They really can't. We're so busy trying to engage our culture with intellect and nice coffees. And God wants to do it with a demonstration of his power. He wants to do it with a demonstration of his power. So let's be attentive. Let's pay attention. What else do I see? Expectancy. We need to be expectant. Be attentive. Be expectant. Expectancy is positioning ourselves for God to move again. It says that these these friends of the paralyzed men, they were expectant for Jesus to move. They were desperate. They broke in through the roof because they couldn't find a way in. There's something about being expectant for God to move. It's an attitude and a position of our hearts. And God meets us in places of expectation. He really does. I don't want to get flat-footed or caught flat-footed. I played soccer for years for our local university. I was the last man back. As a defender, I was the sweeper. I was the last guy. And you never want to get caught standing like this. You always want to be on your toes, ready. And God wants us to be on our toes. On our toes. He does. I mean, the word teaches us this. It says that we're to have feet that are fit with the readiness of the gospel. There's a readiness that we need, that needs to come back. So how do we do it? How do we build this faith? Well, spend time with him. Thank you, Brendan, everybody. Spend time with him. Read the word, pray, worship. It is that simple. Smith Wigglesworth says this, I believe that the lack of faith, uh, that all lack of faith is due not to feeding, drinking, thinking, speaking, singing God's word. I believe that all lack of faith is due to not feeding, drinking, thinking, speaking God's word. This prepares us. Just a couple of testimonies, because testimony is the other thing that builds up our faith. Testimony is the other thing that positions us, that builds expectancy. Canada, West, three miracles. We trusted and prayed for, for God to move in power, and he did. So the one, of, one of them, a young man, is named Jacob. He had back pain. He says that, I'm just reading what, he, he, what he's written. He had back pain for years. It limited his ability to play with his kid. He always had it. It was constant. He could not remember a time without it. And in that meeting, God healed him of that back pain. It was gone. I called him just a week ago. So four or five months later, I had a conversation. Still set free and healed. Amen? Another, another man, an older chap, For 22 years, he could not raise his hands over his head. 22 years. And in that meeting, he came running up front and God healed him. His hands were above his head. I called him a week ago. He still hands over his head. There's a lady in our church who was struggling with mental health. And God radically set her free. She felt the power of God move through her and set free. She's off medication. She's doing well. God wants to move. The word testimony means do it again. Expectancy is positioning ourselves for God to move again. How are we positioned? So, be attentive. Be expectant. What's the next one? Step out. Just do it. Step out. We heard a word in our 
time just praying and coming together. Advance, advance, advance. Step out. This is a season of stepping out. It is time to take the gospel to our cities. It is time to engage, not with intellect, but with the power of God. He wants to move. Can I encourage you? He wants to move. It says as, as when Jesus, when this moment happened for that paralyzed man, it says when he saw their faith, when he watched and he saw there was a bit of an open door, he moved. And that man was healed and set free. The Pharisees didn't like it. And Jesus said, I'm doing this to demonstrate the authority that I'm walking in. You know, in Matthew 28, and I'm going to move through this part a bit quick, but in Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. But then he says with that, now therefore go. We also have authority in Jesus. Not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. It's not about us. Walking in the power of of God is not going to be about us. It has to be about him. But we have authority in the name of Jesus. We have authority. We can step out because we have authority. We could not step out if we didn't have authority. To have authority, we must be under authority. That comes through Jesus. But for us to walk in the commission of what he has, it's going to take us walking in the authority that he's given us. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And a lot of us default that that is because we need to be comforted in difficult times. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the comforter because he's going to take us to uncomfortable places. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit is going to take us to uncomfortable places. It is. I'm telling you. It's going to take us to uncomfortable places. I have two stories. Maybe this resonates with you. A while ago, I was away working. I had a family member in hospital dying of cancer, and I had an urgency in me to go, and I felt the Holy Spirit, that stirring, attentive. What, what do you want to do? That I needed to go and pray for healing. I'm like, okay. I got in. I walked in the room and was able to minister with a friend of mine, and I, this guy had been to church, and I thought he knew Jesus. And I find out that he's been hanging on to unforgiveness and he actually did not have a revelation of Jesus. And we led him to the Lord. Radical salvation right there. Two weeks later, he died. He wasn't healed. We prayed for healing. I went, wow, he went to heaven, but he wasn't healed. Three months later, a friend of my father's diagnosed with cancer, didn't know the Lord. I got permission to go to the hospital and minister and spend time. I go to the nursing station. What floor? Floor. What room? 315. Same room? Same floor? I go through the floor. I go up to the floor. I go through the door. What bed? Same bed. Exact same bed. I'm like, oh, my faith is stirring. As I walk in the room, man, death was in that room. This person had one foot in the grave, I'm telling you. And I'd, I've never prayed or prayed for someone that's been dead. I haven't prayed for resurrection. I've tried before, but they didn't let me in the morgue. But we went, (laughs) we went and we prayed with her, but we led her to the Lord right there. She died days later. And I felt God was teaching me something significant in that moment. He was teaching me something significant. I was going in with the hope to pray for healing, and that was where my faith was. But you know, God was teaching me that the end result is up to him. That what he's asked of me is to be attentive to what he's doing, to be expectant, and then to just to step out. That he's responsible for it. And ultimately, the end goal 
of the move of the power of the Holy Spirit is the eternal salvation of souls. And it might come through a healing, and it might come in another way, but the end goal, the purpose, the purpose is the eternal salvation of souls. We've got a lot of souls that need Jesus. I just want to invite the worship team to come up. So if you guys could come up. I, I really believe God has something for you in this. I don't often get dreams, but apparently I'm going to get more of them as I get older here. But I had a dream at our Canada East Equip just before. And the, and the dream, the dream was that God wants to release joy in his house. And that he wants to do it through healing. I, I started reading through the book of Acts and I'm like, how does this connect? And I started to read through the stories. And I was like, and God healed and the city rejoiced. The city rejoiced. And it says, and the people were moved with awe and wonder. And they came to Jesus. I hope I've stirred your faith raving about Jesus. God wants to move. I believe we're just going to take a moment and make space for the Holy Spirit to come. He's here, but what I mean is move. For the Holy Spirit to move. Maybe some of us are going, what do you mean, Paul, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I haven't experienced that. I want to walk in that. Man, he's here. The Holy Spirit is here right now. Can we stand? The Holy Spirit's here and he's not holding back and he's not giving half measures. He's coming to pour out. He's coming to pour out. of the Holy Spirit, if you're hungry for an infilling to overflowing, wherever you're at, if you go, my tank is empty, I need more, I want to walk in what you have, Jesus, I want all. If that's you, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'd like you to come up to the front. I'd like our team to come around and pray for you. If that's you, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. God wants to move. He wants to pour out. He wants to pour out. I want to get to praying for healing in a bit, but we can't do it without doing this first. We have some of our team come around these guys. For the rest of you, just where you are, connect with the Father. They're going to they're gonna worship. The Holy Spirit wants to move. There's a moment. We want to respond. Let's pray for these folks.